Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast coming live and direct from the Vroom Tomb. If you never listened to the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, the Vroom Tomb is my car. Um... So uh, one one of the one of my favorite things about about doing this podcast is is somehow or another people that I have loved I don't want to say idolized because I don't think I've ever actually had one of my true true idols but people that I've admired looked up to followed wind up on the podcast I, I've put it out there I've mentioned some names that we have plenty more people that we need to get um. But today, I'm getting ready to interview one of my basketball, one of my favorite basketball players ever. Certainly somebody who's overlooked, um, Rod Strickland, the great, unique, one-of-a-kind, influential Rod Strickland, who uh, was a New York City legend. The first time, I started hearing about him when I was about 13 or 14 years old. This is like 83, 84, and then I'm pretty sure uh, it was 85, yeah, 85, the, the spring of 85, the first time I saw him play was in a game that used to be like the quintessential New York City All-Star game. It's called the Wheelchair Classic. Now, it, it still goes on, but it, it, you know, there's so many different games, and high school basketball is on ESPN, and it's covered nationally and on television, and you know, it's different. But this wheelchair classic basketball game in New York was sort of the, the, the 
the best basketball players from the five boroughs and probably, I don't know the details, but probably the five boroughs and maybe Long Island. And I, it was definitely New York City based. Um, it was an all-star game, the wheelchair classic. So to make it in that game, to get invited to that game and then playing the game was a big fucking deal, I can imagine, for, for all the high school basketball players. Anybody who was anybody who came out of New York City played in that game. So I got to see Rod Strickland in that game. I believe it was at Columbia University. And, uh, you know, he was probably 18. I, I must have been about 14 or 15. And, you know, he all those players, I, I, it, was like, it was like a bunch of, of New York City players. They, they, they felt like grown men. Because when you're 14, like 18-year-olds look like grown men. They, they just physically seem so much older than you. Now four-year difference as you get older and broken down. Uh... It doesn't mean as much. But anyway, so I, I saw him playing that game, and I remember distinctly he was at the free throw line, and, and there were girls on the sideline. And, like, and it, I remember this clearly, and I don't have a great memory, but these girls said, we love you, Rod. And before he shot a free throw, he blew them a kiss, shot the free throw, and, of course, made the free throw because you can't blow uh, some chicks a kiss and then miss the free throw. And then Rod went on to have a great career at DePaul, in Chicago, got drafted by the Knicks. The Knicks already had a point guard, Mark Jackson. He played there. It was controversy between who should start, should they play together, yada, yada, yada. Got traded. Went on to have a, a very, 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 very good um, NBA career. Um, got jerked out of a couple of All-Star games. But the thing about his his game, it was just like he was like a player's player. Just so unique, the angles, the levels of difficulty at which he would make shots, his style, the effortlessness. He's one of them dudes who, who I know he played hard, but he just never looked like he was sweating or trying hard. It just came easy. And uh, he's, you know, been name dropped in, you know, a handful of hip hop songs. Raekwon said his name, make him jump like Rod Strickland. He's so New York, so quintessentially New York from a time and place that doesn't exist in New York City basketball anymore. So um, I'm going to call him up. Um, He coached John Calipari at Memphis and at Kentucky, and now he's coaching at at, um, head coaching. So we're going to talk to him about all that. And I'm just such a fan, and and, and I've loved him uh, as a player for so many years, and I remember seeing him around New York. He's so low-key. So I'm be interested uh, interested to see how he, he he deals with me and my my excitement and 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 bugging out and fanning out and all that fly shit. So coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, we're getting a phone call from the great, influential, uh, never been duplicated, but often times imitated Rod Strickland, strictly strict. The Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast is sponsored by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best adventures of 2015. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. You could try a Casper Mattress for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. That's what you call a money-back true guarantee. Mm -hmm. Made in America... King size mattress could cost you up to $2,000, $3,000, $4,000. If you want a really good mattress, king size, only $950. Go to Casper.com, C A S P E R.com forward slash Rappaport. Use the promo code Rappaport. Terms and conditions apply. You get 50 bucks off an already fair priced, great product. Casper mattress. Hello? 
Rod Strickland. It's Michael Rappaport. Yes, sir. What's happening? <laughs> How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. I, I, yo, I, 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 I used to run into you. In the city, and I was always excited to see you. So I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you you you, uh, you coming on the podcast, man. I'm, I've been such man, a same here, man. Same here. Always had much love and respect for you, man. I appreciate that, Rod. I appreciate that, man. How you doing, man? What, what's going on, man? I'm out here in uh, South Florida, coaching at the University of South Florida. How are you enjoying? Your head coaching now? No, no, no. I'm assistant coach. I'm, I'm trying to become a head coach. Uh, I'm hoping that happens sooner than later. But, you know, I've been doing this for probably about, what, 10 years now. I was in Memphis and Kentucky with Cal. Yep. Uh, and then I came over here with one of the assistants, kind of wanted to, you know, a change of scenery. Right. Uh, so, you know, we we in a program now trying to turn it around. Struggled the last two years. Uh, you know, hopefully this year be 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 somewhat better. Yo, how did you wind up? You know, first of all, I was always I, when I first found out that you were coaching because you're such a low key dude. I mean, you were like, yeah. like you, your personality off the court, and then like your style of play on the court to me were two contradictions. Because whenever I've met you and seen you speak, you're like soft spoken, low key. But then when you when I see you play, you had so much style and flair, and you know that New York shit. And then when I found out you were coaching, coaching, I was like, Rod is so low key. Not that you couldn't coach, but I was just like, this is a, mm-hmm. like a low key dude. How did you wind up connecting with Cal, and what made you want to start coaching in the first place? Well, first of all, since I've been you know in the league, I've, I've always been a, a, a basketball guy. I don't think people really understand that. Like I'm, I'm a basketball guy. You know the history, the players. You know I'm, I've, I've, I've always been about basketball. Always kind of studied it, and. uh you know, from 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 young, but I knew at some point in time basketball was over, and I know I'm a basketball guy, so I wanted to stay in basketball. It didn't happen. To, it didn't have to be a coach. It could have been, uh, you know, in the front office or scouting or whatever. But I knew I wanted to be involved in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a, I got an opportunity from Cal. You know, I, I knew Cal through the league. He actually tried to trade for me when he was in the Nets, and I actually. Uh, he had, when he was at UMass, he had a player on his team. Uh, he had a point guard that, you know, was going through some things, and Cal was trying to calm him down and everything, and he wanted me to have a conversation with him. So I had a conversation with him, kind of followed up with that. And so we kind of knew each other through that. And then once I decided, you know, once I retired, I was looking for, for the next phase of my life. And uh, uh, actually, one of Cal's, Players at the time, his old players at Memphis, I used to go up to Memphis and watch games. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, uh, DeWan Wagner and his friend off the Barclay, right. I followed DeWan Wagner through high school. You know, we all know DeWan Wagner was a great high school player, uh, played with the Cleveland Cavaliers, got hurt, and, and was out of basketball. But I kind of got attached to Arthur because he was the underdog. Right. So we kind of formed a relationship. Uh, and then after he left Memphis, he actually stayed in my house because he had an internship in D.C. So he stayed at my house and, you know, uh, with the family and everything. And so we created a rapport, and then Cal was checking up on him and knew he was with me. And then he had a, a Milt Wagner left from Memphis to go to uh, uh, UTEP. Right. And so I got the call, and, and, and Cal gave me the opportunity to go down there and uh, work with Memphis. And, you know, that's, that's the end of the story. And as far as personality-wise, you're right. You know, I'm a. I've always been kind of low key guy. 
the only people who really, really got to know the other side of me is probably close friends. Uh, and actually, and you know, I've been coaching for about what ten years now, right? And that was kind of a transformation for me because you're exactly right. You know, I was kind of, I've always been a to myself guy, kind of low key, kind of quiet. So I had to learn to kind of open up and kind of give myself more to these kids and and, and come outside of myself. Right. And uh, and and so it has been a process. And you know, I'm I'm probably like a lot more outgoing than I've ever been at this point in my life. Uh, but it's been a great experience. Uh, it's been a great transition, and I feel good about it. Well, I, I, I'm glad you're doing it, and, and, and I'm glad you're happy doing it. And, I mean, you know, one of the things you said was underdog. And I, I got to tell you, I, I had the pleasure of uh, directing this Tribe Called Quest documentary and Fife Dog, mm-hmm. the late, great Fife Dog. I, I, he would always talk about you. He mentioned you, I think, specifically in the movie because, uh, I mean, whenever I would talk to him, somehow or another we, mm-hmm. we would get on sports. But he always, when I asked him, I asked him one time, what athlete would he would he say you know his his rap persona is and he said Rod Strickland for sure because he said he was he's sort of like the underdog not that you weren't known but like when you people talk about the greats sometimes you're mm-hmm. forgotten and then when your name comes up it rings bells so you should just know yeah. that I mean you have fans I mean you 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 mean so much to so many fans and 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 I don't know what it is I think it might be because of your your low-key personality that 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 maybe yeah. sometimes you get forgotten about but I mean I I, I, t- I, I told this uh, to you once I I don't know if you remember, but I, I saw you play in the wheelchair classic. I had heard about you. Of course, this is in the eighties when wow. there's no there's no internet, there's no uh, uh-huh. you know it's just it's just word of mouth. And I heard about this dude mm-hmm. Strickland, Rod Strickland, and I saw you play in the wheelchair classic. And I and I don't know if you remember this moment, but you were at the free throw line, and these girls said, "We love you, Rod," and you blew him a kiss, and then made the free throw. And I was like, "This, I love this guy." <laughs> so. I just thought that was yeah, one of the. It was like I don't, I don't remember that, but it could have happened. I'm sure. I'm sure it happened a few times. You know, I didn't know this. I heard Mark Jackson mention this, and I, I was a little bit behind on this because he's been in the league, and it bugged me mm-hmm. out. But it made perfect sense. Kyrie Irving is your is your godson. Talk about Kyrie yeah. and that relationship, and and how you know his father and who his father is, and just seeing this kid emerge. To, to, to be, uh, you know, something so special. And when, when, when I heard him say that you were his godfather, I was like, this shit makes perfect sense because when you look at some of the style and the angles that Kyrie goes at, he has mm-hmm. Rod Strickland in his game. So, so how did that wind up happen? Who is his father? Well, the funny thing about it, and I keep telling people this because, you know, they do relate to kind of, you know, getting to the basket and the layups and all that. They can't relate to jump because the jump, I, I wasn't even close to that, but... Uh, his father, actually, we grew up, uh, but since second grade, uh, we've been close friends. Uh, we grew up playing with the Gauchos, uh, a youth program back in the day. We're from Mitchell Houses, where we grew up at. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of style that Kyrie had, it, you can see the resemblance of, of, of how I played, but that's his father as well, and that's what people don't know. Okay. His father had those layups. You know, his father was more of a scorer than I was. Uh, but his father had that in his game. So if you watch his mannerism and everything, and you know his father, you can see some of that in him. What's his father's uh, name? Cause it, I, what? Uh, Dedrick. Well, it's Dredrick Irvin, but we call him Dedrick. Okay. Or Ice. Okay. And he, he could uh, play growing up. He was official. Yeah. 
Yeah, he can play. He actually he went to Boston University. The thing about Dedrick that was different from all of us, you know, we all were basketball guys. You know, we slept, ate basketball. But he was a book guy. You okay. know, he was a bookworm. He, he was about school and he was about his books. So he actually wanted to go on to Boston University. And it's so funny because he'll tell you this story. Uh, I was going to DePaul University, and I went to DePaul because I wanted to be on TV. Uh-huh. I was on TV all the time, and I just wanted to be seen. And so he was going, he was talking about Boston University, but he also had an offer from Connecticut, which was in the Big East. Now, at that time, Connecticut was just coming. You know, they wasn't really known like that. Yep. I think, uh, you know, they, 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 they were kind of at the bottom of the Big East. But I wanted them to go to the Big East because I knew it was recognition and we'd be on TV, you know. And I tried to coax him to go to Connecticut. But uh, he wound up going to Boston University, you know, made a great decision. Uh, you know, he had a great career there. I think he was a leading sport for for a long time. I think somebody broke it maybe, you know, five, ten years ago or something like that. I don't know. But someone broke his record. But he's up there as one of the top scorers in Boston University. And if it was this time, these day and ages, mm-hmm. he probably would have been a pro. Wow. You know, because back then, if you didn't go to one of the bigger schools, you know, you just weren't going to be seen, you know. It wasn't all this internet and people just, you know what I mean. So he he was at that level. So so that so it's it's in the genetics because because I mean this this yeah. kid, I mean his his ability and his, I mean he's so ex- such an exciting player and his ability and the flashiness and and I, I've I've ran into him a couple of times. I mean talk about a low key personality. This dude doesn't yeah. even see like when you walk past, you could literally walk past him. You wouldn't think this guy's a ball player. The way he talks, the yeah. way he walks off the court, it's almost like some yeah. bookworm guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's very smart, very intelligent. Uh, you know, communication major. Uh, you know, real bright kid, man. I think at the end of the day, after this basketball career, he's gonna have like I think he's gonna do something special after. That. Like he's a special type kid. When, when did you start to see that he was he was like extremely talented? Like when did you notice that he was separate from the pack? Well, I'll say this one thing. Desi told me one time when we were in the gym and he was a little kid and he was drinking the ball. And I was like, wow, one day he's going to make you some money. <laughs> but uh, I didn't, I, I, you know, I was playing basketball, so I didn't see Kyrie a whole lot growing up. Right. So... The, the the first time that I recall someone bringing his attention to me uh, was my brother. He was in ninth grade, and my brother said, man, Kyrie's a pro. Wow. You know, and my brother's a harsh critic. Right. So when he said that, I'm like, wow. Uh, but, and, and actually, he came up to Memphis, visit Memphis, you know, and all that. But I, when I really saw him and really said, wow, I saw him at Bar James camp. You uh-huh. know, recruiting. And I sat there and I watched him, and I was like, wow. And I watched him play, and uh, he was on the team, but he was still kind of, like, you could see he had his spurts, and then he would give the ball up, and he had his spurts. And I remember me and Dedrick spoke to him afterwards, and it was kind of like, no, you take control. We ain't got to share, you know, you're the PG. So those guys who want to get the ball, you tell them, I got you. And you kind of make them, you satisfy them, but you control it. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's when I knew he was special. And then I saw him, I saw him at Duke. And you know, people used to come and compare him and say, "Dang, man, he play like you." Da da da. And you know, I had my shoulders up, feeling good about it. Right. But once I really got to see him, especially once he got to the league, I'm like, I, I was embarrassed for people to say that because wow. he's he's extra extra special. Like I can't like it's just more. It's not even close. Yeah. You that- know the things he can do with that basketball, like. 
I mean, it's another level. And yeah. then he has the shot to go with it. Yeah. And, you know, that makes that makes him a big time problem. Yeah. He's a major, major problem. All right, yo, I want to ask you about uh you, you brought up the gauchos. Talk about the culture of basketball in New York City, particularly the Gauchos Riverside culture. Uh, Riverside Church and uh-huh. the Gauchos are probably the two of the biggest programs. There were some other programs. The Madison Square Boys Club had had some ball players and Paco Scurry and, and, and them dudes. But the, the most famous and prominent and I think, you know, every year, every team of every age, the Gauchos in Riverside. And this is before AAU really got crazy. And, you know, now every yeah. Tom, Dick and Harry has a team. And, you know, I think there's there's pros and cons that I have. I, I have my personal opinions about that. But talk to me about, like, who was on your team with the Gauchos? Who were the com- – like the New York City basketball at the time was so fucking competitive, and and there's guys whose names we know, and I'm sure there's a list of guys whose name who never made it that uh that you played mm-hmm. against that were like that you admired and that you respected that were on your same crew. So just just talk to me about like what it was like growing up in New York City playing in that culture. Well, I mean, you know, New York. First of all, New York City at back back then. If you told somebody you from New York City. It was like you was in the mob or something. Like, uh-huh. I mean, there was just so much respect, you know, on on all, you know, in, in every city. Uh, but you know, New York, New York was competitive. And I tell people all the time, I was able to sustain and play in that league because of my background. Like, I played in New York, and I tell people all the time, like when I played, I couldn't lose, and not just the game, but I couldn't lose the battle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. So every time I stepped on the court, I had to battle and compete. You know, otherwise it'd go around town that this guy, you know, outplayed me or whatever, whatever. So that 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 kept my competitive edge big times for me. As far as Gauchos and Riverside back then, those were the two teams. You know, like you said, you had other teams. We had the Sun Devils as well. Right. Who I played for a little bit. Uh, but uh, it was the Gauchos and Riverside. You know, any tournament you was going to, for the most part. You know, sprinkle in another team or two, but those will be the two teams going up against each other. And back then, I, I got to give credit to the Sun Devils as well. They were up in there too. But, you know, uh, I, I, I first started playing in Mitchell Houses with the Mitchell Bullets. A man named Dave McCollins one day came over to the gym, popped uh, him into the gym one day and put together a team of, of, of a bunch of guys from, from that housing project. And, uh, you know, we formed the Mitchell Bullets. And from then on, from there, I'll say a year or two later, you know, he was telling us that we were going to go play for this team called the Gauchos. Mm. Uh, and so we were the first small team. The Gauchos had an older team, you know. They had, uh, I don't even know if you can remember all these names, but Mikey Edwards, who was in Patterson. Yep. He was a legend. Uh, P.I. Greylard, you know, Darren Burnett. But they had a lot of guys that we looked up to. So we, we formed the Gauchos. We played in 10 and under league tournaments. Uh, you know, we, 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 we got our butts kicked for a while. But we played for a coach. And just to give a little difference now, we played for a coach who from day one taught us left hand, right hand, uh-huh. layups, how to play basketball, pivot work. You know, we, we, we learned the game from the beginning. You know, so if you, if, if you was on the court and you went to, to lay with your left hand and you was wide open and you missed it, that was encouraged. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, what are you doing? Make the layup. No, mm. that was encouraged because that was the right play. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we we come from a little different class. But, uh, you know, the Gauchos were the first team that, 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 that taught me 
opportunity to go out to city. My first trip was to San Diego uh, to play basketball, which I never had that opportunity. Never saw outside of New York before then. Uh, and then it just grew. You know, I wound up playing with Paul Washington, Lloyd Daniels, uh, Boo Harvey from Queens, who was my guy. But, you know, it just afforded the opportunity to showcase myself uh, and, and prove what I was. Man. And, uh, you know, the Gauchos of Riverside, Riverside drove the Gauchos. The Gauchos drove Riverside. And, you know, both of us wanted to beat, you know, each other's butt, and we battled all the time. But it wasn't just about them. There were other teams who challenged us, battled us, and, you know, like I said, that was in New York. Yo, so you were on. So you were on the same team at some point with with Lloyd and Pearl. You guys and Boo Harvey. You guys played on the same team at some point. Well, I played with Boo Harvey and Lloyd Daniels. Man, uh, in Las Vegas. Man, uh, not the year, but we won it all. Man, but we had probably the we had probably twelve dudes on the team. That was like really, really good, and we wound up taking the whole thing in Las Vegas. So I did, Lloyd was a younger guy, but Lloyd was a bad guy. Right. And it was almost funny because Lloyd was so good that, you know, for us, because you know how it is, you know, it's our time. So right. we're trying to shine. But Lloyd was shining, and we kind of had to, like, hold up, <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute. Was he, like, was he really everything... Fun. Was he really everything that you, you like? Because like the folklore around Lloyd Daniels, yeah, yeah. he was everything that he was cracked up to he, be. He was, he was the real deal. He was the real. Deal. I mean, if you think about it, just look at it like this: Lloyd Daniels wound up playing in the pros, right? After all he's gone through, right. just look at the background. After all he's gone through, and he played pretty good for the moment. Right. And this was a wounded Lloyd Daniels. Right. You understand what I'm saying? This was a wounded Lloyd Daniels. Right. That's crazy. So it, it, if you would have got the real, the fresh, the invigorated, you know, clear mind Lloyd Daniels with his skill level, he's been ridiculous. And and who who was the most like for you going up against Riverside or just around the city? Like who who were the like the people that like you were like I really need to dig in deep. Like who were some of the other players like that were your rivals before you were at DePaul or even like when you were at college? Because I know you want you you continue playing in in the, in the parks and all like who were your rivals at yeah. point guard position growing up and and you know and, and before you made it to the pros. Man, it's hard to point out because it was so, I mean, I feel like in New York City, every time you step on the floor, it was a problem. Right. But, you know, I can remember names like Terrence Brodnick, who you probably wouldn't know from my younger days, to Silk Owens and yep. Spice, uh, you know, from Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, you know, Boo Harvey, who I played against in high school, but I played most of my AU time with. Uh, I'm probably John Johnson, uh, who, who, who went to... Uh, it was still private school part of that time. I can't think don't of even name, wait, but I mean, Rob, we don't fact check at the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, so that's that's <laughs> if you if you don't know what it is, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, there were so many guys, man. Uh, you know, even growing up, coming up, getting older, uh, I can't even remember all the names right now. But I mean. You know, to me, it's like every time you step on a court, it's a problem. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. When you look back at your NBA career and all the all the teams and all the players, what was your favorite 
team to play on? Like, what was your favorite team as a, as a pro that you like? When you look back, like I really, you really enjoyed it, and the guys, and the, and, and just the city. Like, what was your favorite experience? Well, it's hard because I played, you know, with a lot of teams, but I enjoyed Portland because we had a really good team with mm-hmm. Clyde, Percy, and you know those guys. I enjoyed uh, C. Webb and Jawan in Washington when we had a pretty good run. Uh, I enjoyed, and, and I, I had a struggle with Pat Riley. You know, I, I went there later on in my career, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't have a great year, but I enjoyed playing for Pat Riley and being in his presence wow. and seeing how he went about his business. And I always said I always wish I would have played with Pat Riley. I wish I had caught him early in my career. I had such, such the utmost respect for him that, you know, he probably, you know, he would have got my full attention. Wow. So, so you you could when you were playing with him, you could you could appreciate and like, like it's not just a it's not a coincidence that he's so successful as a coach and now as as as, as a GM. It's 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 real, huh? It's real. It's real. And 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 you know, I always tell people he's a soldier, and and he's cut and dry about what he's about, and he's about winning, and he'll do anything he has to put an organization on that team to win. But now, if you don't win, you know, it's almost like okay, you won, you're the best. He lost, you know, beat it, like move over, like you know, like he's real cut and dry about it, and I've always expected that. Cause you know, it's, when, when we when I first went to Miami, I got there late. They picked me up late after the preseason and all that. But we rounded up, like we started out 0 and 12, and and he worked us hard and he put the pressure on us, and he would not let anybody in that uh, locker room quit. Mm. And we wound up making a real push and almost made the playoffs. But you know, we fell short at the end. But I never forget his intensity, mm. you know, whether winning, losing, uh, you know, and I remember the moments when he won, how he was, and then I remember when we lost, how he was. Wow. He was two different people, but that's what he is, and I respect that. That's dope. And 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 when you were in the league, I know you played for so many leagues, for so many uh, seasons. Who who were like the two or three people that you going against defending that you were like Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get some extra rest. Like, who were who were some of the people that you had the most respect for? Like fellow point guards guarding that you had to go against. Well, I can just talk about two that I always was like, okay, I don't want to get embarrassed because they can score, and that was Nick Van Exel and, and uh, my cool Raouf. Oh, you yes. Know, so I always was like, you know, I had this thing because I wasn't the best defensive player, so I always felt like I had to go at them before they went at me. Oh. <laughs> but I always thought about them too, but you know, I had to go against uh, Peyton, wow. Stockton, you know, so anytime you go against those two, you know, t- uh, oh, let me not forget Tim Hardaway, who Man. I can put in that embarrassing category. He was a problem too. Yeah, he was a problem, so you had to always be uh, aware of that, and you know, there's a lot of guys, but those, Kevin Jones, he was Jesus. one of those guys who just came straight at you all the time. Man. Uh, nothing fancy, but always aggressive. Yeah. Man, you going at you were dealing with like like I mean that's a that's a hell of a that's just the names right there. And I'm sure there's ten more you can name. And, I, and, and my my final question uh, is is the, when when the Knicks when when you were there with Mark Jackson, do you wish they had somehow mm-hmm. figured it out, or was it too much? Did it have to did it have to go down the way it went? Because you guys were both such great point guards. You were both young. You were both coming into your own. You were both New York City guys, beloved by New York City. Like, did, do you wish that they had you know had kept you both there, or or did it have to work out that way? No, no. I wish they could have figured it out, and and really we wanted them to. Like, if you can remember. The little times, anytime they put me and him on the court together, 
he tried to really like make something happen. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of to show that it could happen, but you know, Rick Pitino wouldn't do that uh, much. And for me, it was just hard. You know, me and Mark were both young. Mm-hmm. You know, we both, you know, we ego. We try to figure out who's who in this league and how good we are. So it was hard to have us, you know, what a year two apart. And, and, and having to compete, because all we're thinking about is long term. I'm like, what, I'm going to stay here and play behind him forever? Right. And he's like, what, I got to stay here and be challenged by this dude forever? Right. You know, so it was really kind of hard on both of us. You know, I was on the coach to him. Right. And, and, uh, and, and you know, but Mark, one thing I always tell people, like I have the utmost respect for Mark Jackson. Uh, you know, back then we battled, but we still have respect for each other. And when we left and separated, I think it probably even made it more respect. Right. But Mark was a leader. Uh, the difference between me and Mark at the time was Mark was more of a leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I was the guy. I was the hooper. Right. I just wanted to hoop. I didn't, you know, on the court, you know, I can run a team and, you know, but I want to hoop. All the other things outside, one thing, you know, I regret about the basketball thing in my career is that, you know, like I grew up as just a hooper. Like I got all you. this fame and... You know, this commercial and that thing, I never wanted to be part of any of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it kind of was always a struggle because I just wanted to hoop. Now, I, I wanted people to know I could hoop. I loved the attention of being on TV and all that, but I didn't like all the other stuff, you know, that they're just the intention in general. But Mark was more of a leader, and, and I think that that's why the decision came, that I'm going to keep Mark over all right, well, that makes sense. Who do you think is going to come out on, on the top of this NBA Finals? I think it's going to be a war. What's your prediction? What, what, what do you think it's going to be? I think, you know, probably is, uh, LeBron's going to get his. Steph and uh, Thompson's going to get theirs. I think the other guys got to show up. You know, uh, J.R. Smith, you know, he has to come through. You know, he's, he's kind of struggled at times late in playoff series. Right. So he has to make shots. You know, Channing Fry has to make shots. Kevin Love has to make shots. Right. Uh, and then they got a guard. They got a guard that what, what Oklahoma City did. Yeah. That gave them the advantage for a minute. They guarded that three-point line. Right. They didn't let, even the threes they made, they made it tough. Yeah. And Golden State, really, if you watch them, they didn't really want to go take them two-point shots. Right. Like, they even struggled with them at times. Right. So you're going to have to guard that three-point line and make them choose some choose. Now, they're going to make some tough ones, but I think that's what they're going to have to do and, you know, LeBron and Kyrie are going to have to carry them, but uh, Kevin Love and Gerald Smith and Shannon Friday, they're going to have to make shots. All right, Rod, listen, man, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I wish you so much luck down in Florida. I appreciate it. If, if you ever need somebody to come down there and get in their asses and give a pep talk, you let me know because I'll talk shit to them. I'll let them know who's 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 their assistant coach. You're one of the most <laughs> beloved players in NBA history, truly, and definitely out of New York. You know, you you you're just we 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 always we always have loved you. We always will continue to love you. If you need me to come down there, smack some of those kids around, just let me know, and and, and hopefully I might, I might call you up for that. I let me know. Let me know. They put their fucking phones down, put your Twitter down, and pay attention, or we're going to be doing rinse, wind sprints all afternoon, okay? And I'll, I'll take them out is. there. So I, know what it is. I appreciate it, Rod, and, and, I, and I'll talk to you soon, man, and, and, great, luck on, and great luck on everything you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy that, that you're happy, and I'm happy that you're still part of basketball, and, and I can't wait till you're a head coach anywhere. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, man. All right, Rod. I'll talk to you soon, my man. Okay. All right. Appreciate it.
Alright, this is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. I fucking love doing this shit so much. Um, I love doing this shit so much. I love doing this show. Uh, I love doing the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. That was Rod Strickland, uh, and, and, and that was just a real pleasure.